0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands use podcasting to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. You can learn more at conversa.com. That's conversa with two N's. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jason Cardillo, VP of Experience in Digital Marketing at Amplify a SaaS company that provides brands with the insights they need to provide great customer experiences. Jason, welcome to the show. So great to have you. Jeremy, thank you so much for inviting me. Really excited about being here and being part of the show. I'm excited too, because we have a really cool topic to talk about and something that I know a lot of our listeners can relate to, how you manage the merger of marketing teams when one or more companies merge or come together. And we're going to get to that in a second. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us like the 30-second version of who you are, a little bit about your background in marketing and your role at Amplify.
1: I've had a, a winding career and, you know, it started in in sales. I did a few different things, actually managed my own agency for a while, took a detour away from, from SaaS and then came back in through Sitecore, which offers DXPs, um, and then found myself here at Amplify thinking about customer experience. And, you know, through most of it, they're really working in, in marketing and thinking about, you know, messages, content creation, and how whoever I'm working for is perceived by, you know, our intended customer and, and audience.
0: Let's dive right into our topic. What do you do? How do you manage the merger of one or more marketing teams? And I know that this is Personally relevant for you because Amplify has come together over the last year or so, right? But from the the merger coming together of a few different companies. So so first give us a little context. Kind of tell the tale of you know how Amplify emerged into the world.
1: Amplify as a brand is a little over a, a year old. We launched on June first, twenty twenty one. And you know, we came together because we saw a need really to combine the different touch points in the customer journey. Into one interface, right? That was a lot easier for our, our customers to use. So, you know, there's several other companies, you know, throughout the, the history here, but really the most recent ones that your listeners might be familiar with were iPerceptions, which did voice a customer software. And then they had combined with Astute Solutions, which was really thinking about the contact center and customer service. And then that was a combination with Social Bakers, which was doing the social media marketing part of the house. So, as those companies, came together, that gave us the resources and the excellent development team to start building commerce tools because obviously it all comes down to to money in the end, right? So, you know, really enabling our customers to connect with their customers at any point during their journey, you know, so finding them, being able to conduct commerce with them and then really helping them, you know, stay happy and and be lifelong customers through our tools. So, yeah, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the merging, not just of the companies, right? But, you know, for your audience here, we're thinking about, the the marketing and the content teams. And there's a lot coming together here. You know, so there's a a few different ways to think about it. So I I guess I'll start with the leadership approach, right? So I do a lot less writing than I used to in in my role, and, and I have a team for that. So as a people leader, right, I think about my role as really providing stability, right? So having that North Star is you have different teams, which may have had different priorities in the past, and, you know, we've now come together and we have one set of priorities that we need to focus on so providing that clarity and stability so there's a a lack of confusion and no matter how well you do a merger there's always going to be some chaos in that environment a lot of it from outside you know where you are so as people leaders right we need to to think about you know how do we keep stability for for our team if you're not a people leader then i like to think about it as you need to be clear on what you need to do And if you're not, you need to speak up and ask, right? Because that might be a blind spot for somebody within, you know, your leadership structure about where they haven't set a priority or made something clear about where to go. And then, you know, go out and, and do that. And, you know, one of the big things I think, you know, in both of those cases is really to think about who your partners are across the team to help keep providing that clarity. You know, here at Amplify, we have an amazing product marketing team and we are in daily communication with them around the messaging, around who the audience is, around what do they care about so that, you know, we're all staying aligned and moving in the same direction the whole time.
0: Like you said, no matter how well prepared you are, it's hard to know exactly what to expect. And there's just going to be this kind of chaotic transition period. You know, I think of it almost like I'm an NBA fan. So, you know, from year to year, the roster of a team might change pretty dramatically. Right. You might have like a whole bunch of new guys coming in to join the core players or whatever. And it it always is. There's a transition period there as people are getting to know each other and figure out their strengths and weaknesses and their egos involved and who's going to do what. Like the team chemistry really matters. Right. And I think at least some of that would apply to any team, including marketing teams, just having a bunch of new people who are now kind of suddenly working together. And they all have their own ways of doing things and they had their own priorities, right? And their own workflows. So like just from a people perspective and dealing with different kinds of people who you don't even know and you're getting to know, what's that been like and how do you go about, you know, just like how much effort have have you needed to put into just simply getting to know people and like understand where they're coming from?
1: I think that's really the biggest key in a successful merger is figuring out, right, how to, to meld the team into one unified team. I've been really lucky both at my, my prior job at Sitecore where, you know, they had done a few acquisitions and then here where... I think marketing actually led from the front in terms of integrating the new companies, right? And being out there. Maybe it's because, you know, marketers are a little bit more outgoing, whatever the case may be. But, you know, even through the pandemic, right? When we've all been at home and not able to literally go stand around a water cooler, we've put some effort into it, but thankfully I think, you know, my team, Especially here at Amplify has been, you know, really able to take a lot of that on their own, and it seems very natural, right? But you know, doing little things like not worrying about spending the first five minutes about of every meeting talking about things like NBA or NFL, or you know, for us, right, soccer is a, a big thing as an international company with the World Cup coming up. You know, so lots of teasing between team members about who's going to do what in the World Cup, and those little things really provide insights into who people are, what they care about, you know, and. Re- that familiarity that, you know, later on can help when you're trying to brainstorm around, right, how are we going to, you know, tackle this particularly hairy topic or something like that, And, and being comfortable with the people you work with. But we also, you know, consciously make time to do that outside of those sort of informal meeting starters, you know, with all hands, right? And doing things where you get to know the team. Anytime somebody comes into the team, whether it's through a merger or, or even new hires, there's an all hands, right? Where we introduce them to the team and they spend a few minutes talking about who they are, where they're from, where they've traveled, right? Things like that. So you can start to establish those connection points that make those conversations, those you know, off-the-cuff conversations a little bit easier. And that really, really helps a lot. I think the other thing too, is just being open to conversation. You know, again, especially, you know, we are primarily remote here at Amplify. We have a few offices in Prague in London, New York, Columbus, Ohio, but most folks are, are still working from home. So having that huddle feature in Slack has been a huge help, right? Where you can just casually, hey, can I pick your brain for a couple of minutes about something or can we chat about this? And having that culture and being able to, you know, have the virtual equivalent of tapping somebody on the shoulder at their desk and asking them a quick question, I think has gone a really big way towards helping that that collaboration and
0: and team spirit. We've been using Discord for the same exact, you know, purpose just to my my team is all remote too. And it became pretty clear once the team grew to a certain size. I'm like, people don't know each other. We need to have a way that people can kind of virtually reach out and tap each other on the shoulder as you put it. That does make a big difference. Yeah. You just can't overlook that interpersonal element, right? I mean, people are people and for the team to really function at its best, ideally you want people to get along with each other and actually like each other and enjoy collaborating. Right.
1: You know, to be Blunt, we definitely miss the ability to literally hop into a conference room together and whiteboard out some ideas. But, you know, we we try to, as much as possible in that digital space, do that. And And when we can get together, you know, and I think this is where work is going to change, is I think we will see fewer people commuting every single day but you will see more conscious team get togethers, right? And, and true offsites where people come from wherever they are and meet up to brainstorm for you know, two or three days, maybe once a quarter or something like that. And that's another thing you know, that as a company that we've been
0: trying to do as much as possible
1: and really be conscious about those times that we do travel to get together.
0: To what extent have you had to deal with people from one team kind of being used to doing things a certain way and people from another team having their own way and, you know, having to kind of find a middle ground or say, okay, now we're doing things the Amplify way. To what extent has, have you had to specifically focus on that? And what's been your strategy for kind of getting everybody on the same page, given that they're coming from different backgrounds and probably different ways of doing things? Yeah, I mean,
1: that, you know, definitely happens and, and especially here at Amplify or even, you know, in, in past companies, you get a lot of international mergers now, right, as, as companies try and go global and, and have that presence. And the cultures in the office can be different, you know, and most of it goes back to the previous topic that we were talking about is around communication. But this has been a conscious effort here at amplify to bridge those you know cultural gaps those work process gaps you know to the point where you know we even have inside the company a culture club where you know people from different teams volunteer to get together and talk through issues that they have you know around communication around the company around processes bridging those gaps. And that, you know, we can already feel making a difference in pulling people together. I also feel really lucky in that, you know, I've always had teams that were very open minded. So people weren't dogmatic, right? About, you know, well, we've done things this way, so it's got to keep going that way. You know, they've always been open-minded in that, you know, they'll try and bring the best of their process, but they'll listen to what other people say. And having people like that in your team who are willing to listen, willing to learn, willing to try new things is really valuable. And that's really helped us, I think, get to probably even a better process than, you know, either side of the house had had before. I, I think our new processes are an improvement on both.
0: And it sounds like For that to work, you need a couple of, at least a a few things to go right. You need the right kind of leadership, right? You need someone in charge who knows how to do this. And as you said, is open and enough flexibility, but, but not too much, still having standards and the right people that you're leading who are able and willing to work together and get on board and kind of find a common ground. That's going, that's going to work for everyone and, you know, probably involve some compromises.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's definitely one thing that I have focused on in my hiring process with all my teams is, you know, finding unique ways to sort of poke and prod around how flexible are they really and understand that going in. And, you know, all things being equal, we will always pick the candidate that is more open-minded and more flexible because the world's going to change, right? And, and you need to have that flexibility built in to be able to adapt to new environments, to, you know, you're not always going to like everybody that you work with. So being able to be flexible and work around some of those issues. So that's really important. And, you know, like I said, part of it too is
0: is luck and just having really great people
1: that I've worked with.
0: I like that you have something called the Culture Club. Remember, that was a, a really popular band in the 80s. You remember them with Boy George?
1: I do and it was really tempting to lean into that angle with all the graphics around it. I think our design studio is doing a good job of of keeping us tempered and not going too far into the past.
0: So you mentioned that the team is remote. Sounds like you have teams all groups all over the world, which, which will 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 pose a, a challenge for any team. And you mentioned use the Slack huddle and so on. Are there other things that you're doing consciously to try to, well, you mentioned the, you know, getting people together for offsites as well. Any other examples of things you're doing, especially given that people are still kind of getting to know each other, to bring people together and sort of, you know, close that distance? I think one of the
1: biggest helpers across teams has been a weekly production call where we just look at, you know, what are the things that the different teams need that we all know that we're working on? And are there issues that are coming up? And just being able to talk through that and and make sure we're on track is really helpful, right? Rather than getting to, you know, three days before a webinar and you realize that, oh, somebody forgot to put together the slide template right for the the guests to, to do it and now you're scrambling, right? So now these issues get surfaced way in advance. And it gives people more time to be you know really thoughtful about what they're putting together and really increases that quality. So having a mix, I think, of you know, the tapping people on the shoulder plus regularly scheduled meetings that go across teams, you know, because once you get your head down right on, you know, if you're going to write a big report, you are heads down for a while on researching and pulling that together. And things might be happening that you don't even notice, right? Because you're not looking at that. So having those conversations with people who do have their head up or are looking at something else, I think are are super helpful as well. And and our team has a number of of different ways of doing that. But the production call, I think, has been a really useful one for us.
0: So this process has been happening over about the past year and year plus. And I'm sure it's had its, you know, its successes and failures, ups and downs. Can you give us any examples of you know, maybe something that didn't go exactly according to plan and what you've learned from that, you know, in other words, what have you learned through this process that you can look back and say like, yeah, wow, I didn't know that before. You know, I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have assumed that, but now I, you know, now I've learned through experience. What's a good example of that? I think the biggest
1: thing is trying to get to a hundred percent as quickly as possible. So, we set ourselves a really ambitious goal of launching a new website effectively in two months. And to make that happen, a lot of people worked a ton of hours. They worked over the weekend. You know, the team really went deep to make it happen. And what we turned out, I, I think, was amazing. But at the same time, I think everybody was disappointed at the same time, right? Because they knew what it could have been. Going back to that website launch, particularly, I think scaling back our expectations for what we were going to deliver in the two months and getting everybody comfortable with, yeah, that actually is our best work of that version. And now we're going to iterate on that, right? So our our CMO has a, a phrase that she's used for years now, iterate to excellence. And you know, this was one of those instances where I, I think we tried to push for 100% right away and doing a really good 80% and then tacking on 5% every couple of weeks would have been a much better approach and in the end got us further faster, right? So you know, we had to cut a lot of corners to get to that. And then we spent six months uncutting those corners when you know, we probably could have started slower and got to that end result
0: in you know, two or three months instead of six months. A good lesson to learn, you know, and and it's that's like one of those looking back, probably you're like, well, of course, you know, of course, that just makes sense. But you just have to go through it, kind of figure it out and learn it. So that's uh,
1: good to know now. If, If you're listening and you're about to go through this, don't do it. Slow down. Take your time. Do it right.
0: Well, Jason, fascinating topic. Sounds like the process has really been interesting and invigorating that you guys are in a pretty good place. So, you know, congratulations on all that. And uh, thanks so much for for an awesome conversation.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Really enjoy being here and and love the show.
0: That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's c-o-n-n-versa.com. The B2B content show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting.